If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Conference championship games in the books. One great, one not so great. No Ravens involved. It's okay. This week on Pod Like a Raven. I will get over this season in a couple of months. I guess I'm still a little bit upset about this team and how they underperformed. And I had to throw that, that little thing in there at the end of the intro, that no Raven... No Ravens in the conference championship games, but it's okay, because we have plenty to discuss this week. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, and I'm going to start on the East Coast, because it's perfect. He's got the hat on, he was talking about it pre, pre-record, pre and maybe it is maybe it is time. It's late January, but, you know, may, maybe the, the leaves are starting to turn a little bit, maybe we haven't had snow here uh, in the D.C. area yet, so maybe we just won't get any, and we're getting into warmer weather. We're getting into exciting springtime, and it's Tim Horsey talking about something other than football. Tim, what's right around the corner? Remarkably, for the first time probably in my life, I'm excited for baseball season. I, the, the Orioles' young guns have got me motivated. I went to a ton of games last year, and for some reason I've got the bug. And it is only the second team in orange and black that brought me so so much joy this weekend and i cannot wait to talk about the football side of the orange and black as well because oh we've got i hope your cups are empty gentlemen i hope they're empty because we got some tears to drink and i cannot (laughs) wait and on the west coast jace evans jace you you hanging on you clinging to football or are you like tim looking looking ahead to uh to some nice spring orioles baseball uh, I, I'm still clicking to football because I'm a re- I'm a real football sicko these days. <laughs> but I too, you know, the the Orioles, my first favorite sports team. Uh, I don't know how many people know that. I used to love the Orioles way more than the Ravens until they, you know, four fourteen consecutive losing seasons will kind of drive the love out of a man a little bit. Yep. But uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. But similar to Tim, uh, on Sunday we had some friends over. We're watching the games. We fry. We uh, my roommate bought, uh, 
bought a deep fryer a few weeks ago, so we deep fried Ooh. multiple chicken options. <laughs> it was a delightful day. A lot of food had. I think I ate uh, pretty much from the moment I wake woke up till the end of the day. I just kept eating food. I never. Stopped. That's a good football day. So That's it a was, good football. It was delightful. Day. Did I feel awful at the end of the day and this morning for sure? But it was. It was worthwhile, and so that's that's what I still cling to with football. It's those those great days, and it, it was it was the, it's a weird football. The actual games were strange, but yeah, with Tim, I mean, I can't celebrate the demise of these Bengals enough. So uh, yeah, it was a good good day. It was had by all. Had some laughs were had. Some football was watched. Some food was eaten. And yeah, hopefully those have a good season. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not uh, quite looking as forward to it as Tim. I think. But uh, over under. Over under is 75 and a half games, according to a certain gambling site who doesn't sponsor us, so I won't say it. I'm just saying. I think this team's got a little more fight in them than that. We'll see. And then, <laughs> and then you know, everybody will get hurt, and I won't love baseball again. So. Uh, Orioles acquire left-hander Cole Irvin in a trade. I didn't know who yeah. he was uh, before the trade happened, but guy eats innings. Uh, that'll be Sub useful in the rotation. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm uh, I suppose, in between the two the two uh, reactions that you guys just had. I'm 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 sad. I'm, I'm at the point that I'm sad that we're running out of football. The two games ended Sunday, and I just sort of had this like void of looking. There was so little to look ahead to the next games coming up because there's only one game left, and it's two weeks away. So yeah, maybe it is maybe it is time to to walk outside more, so get that sunset a little bit later and later every day and start looking toward uh, toward the orange and black and, and maybe joining Tim for, for some games uh, this season. But before that, we have some games to talk about. Some interesting games that happened this past Sunday, and we're going to start... Uh, let's start ugly. We're going to start with the NFC Championship game that happened because it lasted, I would say, three series. And then the game, from an excitement level, was pretty much over with uh, once Brock Purdy was hurt on their first drive for the 49ers. I did not realize it was that early until I went into the sort of the box score today and reviewed it. First drive, he gets the old uh, Hassan Reddick arm to the elbow, and he was out. Didn't know Josh Johnson was their backup quarterback. Did not know that. Their fourth quarterback of this season. He's knocked out at a certain point in this game, and it ends up being Brock Purdy with an arm that can't throw the ball more than five yards. And that was long stretches of this game that ended up in dominance by the Philadelphia Eagles by the end. So it feels a little unfair to judge too much of this blowout against the 49ers when they were quite literally running a high school offense by the end of the third quarter in an AFC, uh, an NFC uh, championship football game, guys. Uh, you know, how how relaxed in the in on the chair were you by the time we got to halftime of this football game? Yeah, uh, as a as a Eagles better and a man with an Eagles future, pretty 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 relaxed. There was nothing really here. Um, you know, the Christian McCaffrey run was cool, uh, where he kind of just went went nuclear on the Eagles defense. But I go back and forth. Look, the Niners have had some absolutely terrible luck, and. You know, us as Ravens fans, I think all fan bases can complain about bad luck here and there. Yeah, we'll get to you, Bengals fans, because uh, that wasn't bad luck. That's called karma. Uh, but I think there, there, I just I cannot imagine being in that position where you're trying to make yourself believe in this Brock Purdy guy. He has an X-rated nickname that you can get behind. Then he starts winning all these games, what have you, and you're getting real excited. And then your coach decides to use a backup tight end to single block Hassan Reddick. And 
I want to say bad luck, but that's also really stupid. And this is what happens when you do that type of thing against the team who had what? I think it was like four or five guys with 10 plus sacks. Four guys. Thank you, Jace. They, they can, if they get like three or four sacks in the Super Bowl, they will have the most sacks all time. If you include postseason into those uh, numbers as well. You got and that's a, a team with plan. a bye. That's a team that didn't even have to play yeah. a postseason game. Correct. A team with a bye. They had 73 sacks, I believe, going into this game. Or go, maybe going into uh, the playoffs. I can't remember exactly. But I, I get the bad luck thing for the Niners, and I feel bad for the Niners. Um, you know, a, a super fun team to watch when everything's rolling. But you kind of did it to yourself a little bit, too. So I, 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 I struggle to see how much... How bad I feel for this team. Uh, that being said, you know Brock Purdy comes out. We all we've all witnessed the Josh Johnson experience as a Raven. It was over at that point, and the Eagles did what they had to do. Um, I will say, you know, we'll talk about it more next week when we kind of do a full Super Bowl preview. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm not super confident in the way that offense played, even against a very strong Niners D. And there's definitely some concerns about you know. Jalen Hurts and his passing ability a little bit too. I, I didn't think they were great in that game, but they didn't have to be. They got the job done, and they're you know they punched their ticket to Arizona. Yeah, I, I was moderately intrigued when they made it seven seven. That McCaffrey run was amazing, like you said, Tim. And and I, at that point, I was like, maybe they could do this. Strong defensive effort, like you said. I didn't think the Eagles were playing that great. But then the Eagles, to their credit, they answered immediately uh, that Niners touchdown with the touchdown drive of their own. And then the killer was just the fumble touchdown sequence right before halftime. And at 21-7, to I was pretty – I thought that was game over pretty much at halftime and with the, with the halftime score that. And then especially once Johnson came down because then you're like, you're like, well, the Eagles are up 14 – and we have no evidence that the Niners can literally move the ball through the air with their quarterback situation where it is. As as we said, Brock Purdy, uh, torn UCL, could not throw a pass. Uh, Josh Johnson literally in the locker room with a concussion. So at that point, I was just kind of a time-wasting exercise. And I certainly paid less attention to the second half of this game uh, just because the Eagles could just run three straight draws if they wanted to. And like dare like cool the Niners got one touchdown. It's like then you have to get a second touchdown to even tie the game. And it just seems so impossible that at that point it was kind of just you know wasting time. But yeah, I didn't think the Eagles played great. Um, the numbers don't suggest they did. They only had three point eight yards per play uh, and only two hundred sixty nine total yards, um, which is not great. Did they still win this game by twenty four? Yes, because these Niners QB problems, three turnovers, they had 164 total yards, which is actually even less yards per play than the Eagles at 3.6. And the Eagles had the ball for, uh, you know, 37 and a half minutes to the Niners 22 and a half. So, um, yeah, not, it was just kind of a bummer of a what, because I thought this game had the potential to be great. I, I, I was with you, Antonio. I think we all picked against the Niners, I believe, on the show last week, and I think it was for similar reasons. We just didn't trust... Uh, kind of a rookie QB, the last pick in the draft in this spot, but to not even get a chance really to to see it play out, it was just such a such a drag. And then I was like, you know, once Josh Johnson's in there, I'm adamantly rooting for the Eagles because in in we'll get to it. But I was afraid that the Bengals win and then are playing Josh Johnson in the Super Bowl 
And I was like, oh my god, I, we can't have this Niners team sniff the Super Bowl. So then I was just rooting for the Eagles to don't do any funny business and get out of there. So kind of a bummer, but you know, the Eagles went 14-3, and and they've won their two playoff games, 38-7 to and 31-7. to I, I think they deserve to, to be in the Super Bowl. I think they showed they're the best team in the NFC this year. So yeah, I don't have much to add on it, but uh, just kind of, kind of a bummer of a way to get the day started. But I think that obviously the right team won in the end. Well, Jace, it's funny you say that. You're like, oh, man, I really was hoping that we didn't get uh, Josh Johnson in the Super Bowl. If you if you hear, hear from the entire state of Ohio, the NFL is rigged. So they <laughs> that was never going to happen. They wouldn't want that. They want, they want uh, the Eagles and their fan base, and they also want the man who represents State Farm at the State Farm <laughs> Stadium because the NFL is rigged, if you didn't know, from those absolute – morons in Ohio. I, I can't wait. Let's just get to that game. I can't <laughs> wait. A couple of things I want to talk about with this, just to sort of circle back on some of these points that were made. The whole argument that we had, that a lot of people had, for the Eagles 49ers game was, yes, it's Brock Purdy as a rookie. This is the biggest challenge he's going to face. He's going to have pressure. He's going to have more pressure than he's ever had against the team that was the best at that uh, all season. As Tim mentioned, the decision to block how they did when faced with that exact team with your rookie quarterback is an abomination. It was foolish. They should be doing things where they were max protecting against the pass rush, not chipping with tight ends on the backside of plays and just levying him. I almost blame the coaching staff for the injury. Like They almost brought this upon themselves. Where guess what? Both quarterbacks got hurt and got slammed by the Eagles pass rushers. Um, for the Eagles side of things, I'm not as, uh, I don't know, disappointed with how they played offensively. They scored on three quarters of their drives against the number one defense in the NFL. They really, the ugly part was after they score on the first drive, they then have three straight possessions where I think they maybe get one first down. It's a three and out, then they have four plays, and then another three and out. One of those was just a blown deep ball, where if it's if Hertz is able to connect on it, that's another touchdown. Uh, I think it was to Brown. Brown burned his guy, and the throw was just a little bit overthrown. If he catches it, that's another score. And after those three punts, they go touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal, and then end the game on their final drive and, and milk the clock. It's pretty good against the number one defense in the NFL and they, again, don't play their best game, in theory, end up with 31 po- like, leave points on the board, and end up with 31 points against the number one defense in the NFL. I think they're in pretty good shape with two weeks to prepare for the Chiefs. Uh, it's going to take me, you know, I'm going to take a week to digest all this stuff, but won't it be nice if they put together a full game uh, in the Super Bowl, and then will essentially be unstoppable, as they were for stretches of the regular season, they haven't really done that in the playoffs and have still coasted to the Super Bowl. A sign of a sign of a good team. A sign of what has been the best team in the NFL this year. And then the last bit that you guys also mentioned. The decision by the 49ers, by Shanahan, to try to score at the end of the first half was another abominable decision. You have a fourth string journeyman. He's been on every team in the NFL He's like 30, I don't know how old he is, late. He's got to be late 30s based on the number of teams that he's played on. 
he hasn't played well in the few possessions that he was the quarterback in. You are down one score after the mess of the first half. You get the ball to start the second half. Take it to the locker room. Figure things out. You don't know what the situation is with Purdy yet. There was, I don't know, um, maybe a minute left, a minute and a half. I'm going to try to pull this up now. A minute 36. The only time you scored was when McCaffrey did everything by himself. You hand him the ball three times. Or you threw a screen pass to him. It has to be so vanilla, so simple. I am literally on the phone with my dad at the time saying that they better be conservative here because the only thing they don't want is a mistake that is going to put this game out of reach before halftime. They had a crazy opportunity. Maybe they get good field position off the kickoff to start the second half. If they could tie the game with the number one defense, you play from there. There was no need to push it in that situation when you have Josh Johnson. And you get, halftime gives him a chance to sort of collect himself and have a sense of, here are the plays we're going to run to start the second half. Let's get a nice package together. What are your favorite plays? Like, let's have that all ready to go. We can run it. We don't have to worry about the clock running down and having to throw first. When you just start the second half fresh, it was so foolish, and it blew up in their face, and they deserve it. The coaching staff deserves it because they made several mistakes in this game, and you can't have any when you're playing on the road uh, against a really good team, and they got blown out. So, uh, anything else from this from this 49ers game, guys? Yeah, just real quickly, uh, I think... It's interesting because I think the Niners, if you're a if you're a Ravens fan who grew up in kind of the era that that the three of us did and you love defense and running the football and like you know, you're not just a guy who came with Lamar Jackson and is screaming about wide receivers all the time, which you know is also a fair argument. Um I think you have to have some sort of affinity for the, this version of the Niners. Uh, I certainly do. Fred Warner is one of my favorite players to watch. Um, you know, the, just the way they run the ball, Trent Williams, shout out Trent Williams for just saying, I'm done with this game. Like, I don't feel like playing anymore. So I'm going to take a guy and choke slam another man on the field and walk off. It was pretty impressive. Uh, that, that dude is an, a freak of nature. And if you listen to any, you know, current and former players, they're like, that's the one guy you don't want to fight in the league. If anybody, um, and I think we all just kind of assume because they've been good for a while that, oh, you know. They'll just bring back this team and, you know, they'll be competing again. They've got some real questions. They have to pay Bosa. Uh, he only has one year left on his deal, and then he becomes a free agent. And I think he's due I, – I, that might be – and I don't have it all in front of me. I, I pulled up spot track, but, again, I'm, I'm too stupid for some of this contract stuff, to be completely honest with you. They have to pay him uh, very, very soon. He's owed $17 million next year, but you basically want to extend that guy. Mike McGlinchey, their right tackle, who's been great, is a free agent – as is Samson Abubakam, who's been one of their rotational pieces at defensive end. Emmanuel Mosley as well. Jimmy Ward, the free safety. Jimmy Garoppolo, who obviously won't be there. There's, there's going to be a lot. Of, and then guys who are currently on the roster are going to have to be cut to make room for some of this, this quote-unquote cap hell that they're going to be in um, this, this offseason. So there's a lot of questions about this iteration of the Niners and what's going to change. And then there's the quarterback issue. You know, Brock Purdy, it's been reported on Monday that it's a, it's a torn UCL, I believe. Six months is usually the recovery time for that. He might get a second opinion on it, but if it's torn, it's torn, bud. Like, that's kind of how it works. Uh, you know, Garoppolo's not going to be there. What do you have with Trey Lance? And at what point do you say, 
are we going to give him another shot or are we going to move on from him? There's the ever lingering, and I just hope they get it over with sooner rather than later, Tom Brady question <laughs> about returning home because he was there in the stadium when Dwight Clark made the catch. That's awesome. Great. We love that. Sweet. I've heard it like 600 times. I don't need to hear it again. Aaron Rodgers is a Nor Cowboy as well, and all indications that he's going to leave. Excuse me, Green Bay, but you know, will the will the Packers trade him to an NFC East or NFC opponent? Excuse me, or will they trade him to what everybody is reporting, the Jets, which will be hilarious, and I can't wait to talk about that uh, in future episodes as well. <laughs> I think this iteration of the Niners, as a, as somebody who really enjoys their style of football, it's sad that I think this was probably the last time we'll see them in their full, you know, glory. I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that would just be what leaves me so depressed if I was a Niners fan. You know, this is three NFC championship game trips in four years, and you don't have a Super Bowl uh, to show for it. And basically, this one was cut out from under you immediately. Like, your chance to win was pretty much immediately taken away. Um and that would hurt. And that would hurt. Uh, yeah, obviously, the Ravens have lost AFC title games. You missed opportunities. But to, to, to do it that frequently, and especially for, like, you know, older Niners fans especially, like, they remember the teams winning these games and going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowls. It's been a long time since the 49ers have won a Super Bowl. It'll be, uh, you know, th- I believe 30 seasons next year. So, um, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, it hurts to come this close and, and just – Never really be competitive because of injuries. and So that stinks. But yeah, Tim nailed it. It's going to be, they're going to be, I think, one of the most fascinating teams to watch this offseason with the quarterback thing. Obviously, they trade three first-round picks for Trey Lance, and he's entering year three, and you have no idea if he can even be a starter in the NFL. Not a clue. We yeah. have no precedent, really, for something like that in, the, uh, in recent years. You mentioned Bosa, but we should say, like, that'll be a record-setting contract. He's going to sign, like, the largest defensive end deal in NFL history, most likely, uh, as what will almost surely be the reigning defensive player of the year. So, yeah, uh, big, big questions for the Niners, and I'm with you. I've really enjoyed them, but it will be kind of a shame if they leave this era kind of without even, without getting a Lombardi. Feels like it's the Trey Lance audition for half of next season, and then whatever the results are, let's see if Brock Purdy can... Just run it back, do the same exact thing he did the year before, and just win all of his games into the postseason. All right, let's turn now to the better game, to say the least, the AFC Championship game, where the entire Baltimore metro area was spared, the Bengals not appearing in back-to-back Super Bowls. This truly, however, felt to like a heavyweight fight, like with all the stereotypes attached of a heavyweight fight in a football game, Joe Burrow getting killed early by the Chiefs' pass rush. Um, the Cincinnati D bending but not breaking on on the two Chiefs' early scoring drives that one was in the red zone and one was, was just outside it. Then the Bengals' offense find their footing a little bit before Mahomes then finds Kelsey on a 14-yard touchdown pass on fourth and one. Kelsey, still way too open on way too many occasions. Uh, Big Lou, I guess, you know, I don't know if you guys heard, he hasn't gotten any interviews for a head coach uh, head coaching position. He couldn't figure out Kelsey either. They lined Kelsey up at wide receiver once instead of at tight end, and Tony Romo literally lost his mind. It is possible, in fact, to just identify Kelsey by his number, regardless of where he is on the field, and cover him. They lined him up in the slot and then still had a tight end on the end of the line 
and Romo acted like this was the biggest mischief that had ever been done formationally on an NFL football field. So that was frustrating for me, just as somebody who was, you know, my my big NFL brain was maybe double Kelsey and, and not allow him to beat you, and yet he still did on a fourth and one long touchdown pass where he would just absolutely got rid of the one defender who was covering him and ended up being wide open. Um, guys, thoughts on that on that first half as we saw finally the Bengals' offensive line start to be a major issue and, and just how Mahomes looked finding Kelsey over and over again. Oh, man, I don't have a ton on the first half, so I'll let Jace go because I have all the thoughts about the end of this game and just, just all the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird that this team that apparently nobody talked about that everybody was talking about um, kind of got found out a little bit, especially on the offensive line. Chris Jones, not only in the first half, but in, in the throughout the game, was an absolute monster. Uh, and who knew that the Bills without Von Miller couldn't get after the pass rusher, so maybe we shouldn't have overemphasized um, the Bengals. Who, by the way, nobody was talking about them, even though about 85% of the money was on the Bengals throughout the entire week. But nobody was talking about them. Uh, shut your mouth, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, I, I just think it's it's one of those things. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go offense defensive line like I always do. It's one of those things where we have to look and kind of not react immediately on a week to week basis. Sometimes where we're like, oh wait, this Bengals line is garbage because they have three starters out. And now they're going up against possibly the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL, who, by the way, can also line up outside. Frank Clark, who is like second all-time in postseason sacks, and a defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, who is going to dial it up when he needs to. And I think that the Bengals, you know, and maybe the media in general kind of just was like, oh, no, that'll be fine. Let's talk about Mahomes on a gimpy angle and not ankle excuse me and not the Bengals because we're not talking about the Bengals nobody talks about the Bengals nobody nobody respects the Bengals nobody's talking about them even though everybody's talking about them so it it was kind of a little bit of a you know the game really got good in the second half I think in terms of drama maybe not quality but the first half was a little bit of a okay this we maybe we forgot about this and this could be a problem for the Bengals all day I agree with you there, Tim, but I will say it could have been more in favor of the Chiefs. So that is what worried me uh, going into the second half is I did feel like the Chiefs largely dominated the first half, but to kind of come up empty, you know, both both field goal trips, just two field goal trips instead of two touchdowns early. And we were texting about this a little bit. The Chiefs seemed to... I don't know. Andy Reid just gets weird with it, you know. Oh, the lateral, yeah. The, there's oh the, the Kelsey lateral play was bizarre, and they tried like a Mahomes underhand toss, it, like shovel pass that almost blew up in their face. Uh, you know, I I think you just have to accept Andy Reid has got to do Andy Reid things in these games. He I believe had burned all three of his timeouts in the first half by like the four minute mark. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of what it is, but, but like, even with the lateral play, that second town, uh, that second field goal, you know, they actually score a touchdown, but it gets taken away by a holding penalty. Uh, they do have the fourth and one conversion, but they're up 10, but for to only be up seven at halftime, I did feel like they kind of had to be a little disappointed with that. Cause I did think 
You're right. They, I, I, pretty clearly we were texting like, wow, the Bengals line is bad. The Bills just had no answer <laughs> pass rush wise last week. The Bills are just soft. Yeah. They're just soft. And, yeah. The Chiefs just have more bodies, even if they're the whole of their defense isn't quite as good. We'll get to their defensive backs because that's an abomination nope. on the Chiefs yeah. back end. But uh, at least as it t- comes to the first half, I did think the Chiefs pretty thoroughly dominated, and I still think they kind of sh- should have been up more than they did. And it just gave me kind of scary flashbacks to last year when the Chiefs were up 21-3 to at halftime, should have scored before half, bungled that, and then just fell apart in the second half. So I just kind of had flashbacks being like, man, they own this half, and yet they're only up seven. So that made me worry a little bit. And then obviously, as I think you mentioned, set up a traumatic uh, second half of this game. Yeah. Both teams exchange touchdowns in the second half. It's 2013 Chiefs. They get the ball back. They're driving again. Now it's looking like, oh my goodness, we may actually have the Chiefs able to pull away from this stupid Bengals team finally. And then Patrick Mahomes, of all people, has the empty hand fumble just on his own. Can't pick up the ball. And the Bengals then immediately tie the game. And it's another Bengals Chiefs. You know, it just at that point felt like a who's who gets the ball last or who, you know, who scores on their last with sort of with no time left. That's the team that's going to win this game. We get to the point where three different chief receivers are hurt. Mahomes is hobbling worse than he has all game. The Bengals are finally covering Kelsey as they're supposed to should basically, they have no run game anymore. It should have been impossible for them to score any more points. Once we got to basically the middle of the fourth quarter and yet, and yet, uh, the Bengals' last two drives are an interception into double coverage, which, not a great throw. The refs, kinda, Antonio! Kinda, the refs! Kind of ends up like an arm punt. I, I don't think it worked out terribly for them, for the Bengals. And then a punt after Burrow is sacked the refs, for the Antonio, fifth. The refs, Antonio! The refs! For the fifth and time, final time. And then the Bengals do the full series of mistakes that they cannot allow... Given the situation, there are 41 seconds left in the game. It's all tied. They don't punt it out of bounds, which I think is something that you really should be trying to do in these situations. They don't do that. They just punt it straight. Then they give up a big return to Sky Moore. And then, of course, they have the big penalty on Patrick Mahomes running out of bounds, where he absolutely is shoved five yards out of bounds in a game that I thought was destined for overtime. I thought the game felt like it should have like deserved overtime almost. Um, I don't like the Bengals, obviously, but I thought they did well coming back. Again, coming back from deficits multiple times in this game. Uh, I had certainly gotten just annoyed at, you know, we get to fourth quarter and all of a sudden every single penalty is getting called in the Chiefs' favor. Um, on the type of calls that are basically subjective in the sense of the NFL refereeing world. The holdings are getting called. The uh, the illegal contact is getting called. The de- stuff downfield. That happens on every play, at every position. Every lineman is kind of holding the defensive line. And all of a sudden, f- I think five or six penalties came out in the fourth quarter, all for, uh, all in the Chiefs' benefit. And yet, it's the Bengals bungling. In that last possession in a game that should have gone to overtime, and they didn't allow it to go to overtime with their own mistakes. And they're going home, and they get to go home. So I'm going to turn to Tim now. Tim, uh, are the Bengals going to the Super Bowl this year? Oh, well, you know what's interesting, Antonio and Jace? I wonder. I wonder 
I can't wait, actually. I'm, I'm ecstatic to see what Joe Burrow or Joey Burr or Joe Cool or whatever the hell his name is now. I, I can't wait to see his Super Bowl fit. I can't wait to see him dressed up like an effing Care Bear and everybody loses their minds. I can't wait for the cool glasses or just the standard outfit, like, like a, a bomber jacket and pants or like chinos. And all of a sudden, oh, Joey Burr. So, oh, wait. Nope. They're going home. And thank good Christ that they are. I cannot. St- this team has become the Steelers of old. Where I hated Palomalu. I hated Ben Roethlisberger. Joey Porter could go to hell. Heinz Ward, a place worse. I hated that team. And you know what? Outside of Mike Tomlin, kind of a dick. Everybody else, great coach. But, you know, he's been in the rivalry long enough. There's not a ton of guys on that team I hate. It's something that we've talked about over and over again with the Steelers now. And maybe it's because they're just mediocre and that's fine. I hate for a man who loved Joe Burrow at LSU, loved him, hate him now. Jamar Chase, can't stand you. Freaking Eli Apple, the most, like, the most why-are-you-talking guy in the league, can't stand him. This is Zach Taylor whining about every little thing as an incompetent head coach, can't stand him. Lou Anarumo, great defensive coordinator, hope he gets a head coaching job somewhere because I actually think he's pretty good. But everybody else on that roster, outside of Joseph Asai, who I actually kind of feel bad for afterwards, and I'm not going to talk about that because the Bengals don't deserve any of that. (laughs) I cannot stand them, and the people that I cannot stand the most are these entitled, out-of-nowhere Bengals fans. Where the hell did you come from? You have been nothing. You have been less than nothing. You have been dirt in this league for the last, what, I'm I'm 31 now, so call it 29 years. And yet, all of a sudden, you make one Super Bowl, you got a golden horseshoe shoved up your butthole, where you get every little thing, like, breaks for you, and, oh, we're the best, and, oh, can't ever count us out, we're so great, yada, yada, yada. And now this game, this game that you lost is the ref's fault? The Chiefs had more yards. They had more passing yards. They had more first downs. They had more yards per play. They allowed fewer sacks. They had fewer turnovers. They won the time of possession. But yeah, it's the ref's fault. On the most egregious calls that they had, never amounted to anything for the Chiefs. And before this game, you, you, I love a team with confidence, right? Love a team with confidence. And I'm going back between the fans, because the fans are part of this too, because they eat it up and they love this stuff. Nobody talks about us, even though, again, all I heard all week as, as the football freak that I am, uh, or Jay said sicko earlier. I think that was a great, <laughs> great line. All I heard was, you know, the Bengals are the play. The Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals, bang, 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 Bengals. To the point where the, the team, they called it Burrowhead. Eli Apple is talking crap about Patrick Mahomes. What are you doing before a game? Have you ever heard of locker room material? Like, do it afterwards. Fine. The the Ravens, like the Ravens documentary about the 2000 defense is going to come out, and I'm going to eat up all the trash talk, and I'm going to eat up all the swagger and the confidence, and that's fine. You're going in to Arrowhead Stadium, a team that you've beaten three times, so they know they're already pissed off, and you piss them off even more. You are legitimately poking the bear in the worst way possible. The mayor, the mayor of Cincinnati. You have nothing better to do than to piss off the team that your home team is going against? What is going on? The arrogance that they had for no reason. You have won nothing. 
nothing. You do not matter at all still. And now you're out on your ass again. And you know the Chiefs cared. You know the Chiefs cared. Chris Jones post. Don't ever disrespect Arrowhead's name. Stares into the camera. Into the camera like the menace that he is. And says do not ever insult Arrowhead again. Patrick Mahomes saying I don't have any cigars but I'm just heading to the Super Bowl. Like taking a deep shot at Joe Burrow. Which I love by the way. Because all, te- all these quarterbacks now are too lovey lovey anyway. Let's get a little bit of hate in there. And then my new favorite player in the National Football League doesn't wear purple and black. Travis Kelsey. That dude, post game, it might be the best thing I've ever seen. If you haven't heard it, please listen to it. Please find it somewhere. They're interviewing Patrick Mahomes. He comes out and goes, Burrowhead my ass. Walks away. Puts some respect on Mahomes' name. And then after that, pulls out, and I'm not a wrestling guy, but pulls out a rock quote about the mayor. I've got words for the mayor. What, did he, what was it exactly? Shut or go. No, Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. He hard jade him. He called him a jabroni. I have never felt better about a team's misery. And this is someone who is a miserable person inside. I am a miserable, pessimistic football fan, and I love the, the suffering of the teams that I despise. I have never, ever felt the way that I did on Sunday night when The Chiefs just, you know what the Chiefs did? The Chiefs did the smart thing because they're the smart team who's been there before. They said, all right, keep talking. Keep talking. And they would drop little hints. Chris Jones, see you at Burrowhead Stadium. And that's when you knew. With pregame, when he said that at a pregame presser, you were like, oh, God. They they read it, and they are (laughs) pissed. And they kept it all inside. And Eli Apple, who is not even high school-level cornerback at this point, maybe he could play in the Chiefs secondary based on how they played, and we can talk about that in a bit. It's just talking crap that he has no business talking. And the Chiefs knew it. The Chiefs came out with fire. And Patrick Mahomes on one leg and no receivers and basically no help other than Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco went out and beat your ass, you jabronis. And I I hope they don't take it as a lesson. I hope they keep talking all that S because you know what? It's going to bite them in the ass again. It's going to. And I cannot wait to see it over and over and over again. Like I've said many a time on this program. They are the crap stain on the underwear of the NFL, and it's going to continue that way because, because that's just what it is. That's The karma of this league is always going to come back to bite you, and it bit the Bengals in just the most glorious way on Sunday. I, I just don't under – like, to your point about the arrogance, it's just struck me, especially the fans. I mean, the players is one thing. I don't love it. But, like, the fan arrogance, I just do not understand with this fan. Uh, like, at we, all. We've seen teams that, like – have lost like the Panthers went like 15 and one and Cam Newton won the MVP and then they lost the Super Bowl but you weren't you didn't see them the next year be like we're the team to beat <laughs> no one can beat us like it's it's just bizarre I just don't get it especially given how long they've been bad and I'm with you too Tim in that I don't understand how I guess it's just Burrow related I I don't know because it's such a recent development because it's not like Twitter's new like Twitter was around when the Bengals were good like, you know, five, ten, like with Marvin Lewis, those teams obviously lost in the first round every year. So maybe that's why no one took them especially seriously. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just like, I just don't understand the arrogance. And I am I, even beyond just the dislike I've grown for this team. Cause I'm with you. I think they have replaced the Steelers for me in terms of current dislike. 
It's not even um, close. Not even close. I don't love Cam Hayward or TJ Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick, but like compared to compared to these guys, you know, it's also easier. You know, the Steelers haven't. Uh, the Ravens have both won a Super Bowl and a playoff game more recently than the Steelers. So uh, these are things I can hang my hat on when the Steelers beat us. But uh, the just the arrogance and the trash talk of the Bengals that haven't really accomplished anything. I just don't. It, They've rocketed to number one dislike for me. And the the, the sub-reason, uh, not to reflect on painful memories, but I just could not have them in the Super Bowl because no. I cannot see that Tyler... Like, if the Bengals went on to win the Super Bowl, we would see that stupid Tyler Huntley play at least once a broadcast every year, twice a year when the Ravens played the Bengals. They'd show it every single time be like remember when this happened it's like it's like when we play the patriots and they just spring the kind of kick on us it's like i can't have this in my life uh and um i just couldn't have it so that i was rooting hard for the chiefs and it's crazy because i don't especially love the chiefs anymore it's you know it like it's three super bowl appearances in four seasons now for the chiefs like I don't necessarily want them to win <laughs> the Super Bowl. Um, I have no affinity for them. Uh, things about the Chiefs make me feel far worse about the Ravens, as in we'll never beat Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah. you know, I, at least for one this Sunday, I was just savoring this loss because, yeah, I I, I just could not handle it. And the Golden Horseshoe thing, I just, just one other thing I want to touch. Like, I was certain the Bengals were going to win when that Mahomes fumble happened like happened i was just like yep, oh my absolutely. god i was like they're up seven and driving and the best player in the nfl just loses the ball randomly and then because he's playing on one leg can't just pick it up like he normally would 90 percent of the time he like couldn't move his leg and it couldn't bend his knee to like get down and get the ball uh i was like oh my god and of course they score immediately and i, I was just like i was i was so resigned to the bengals winning that game so um yeah, you know, the shove out of bounds, it was the right call. I do think, I was with Antonio, I did think most of the calls did favor the Chiefs. But like you pointed out, Tim, they didn't capitalize. The biggest one being that that weird, like, third and nine time stoppage turned into a, a flag. That whole, that whole sequence, they ended up punting on that series. Um, so I did think while the refs favored the Chiefs, like, they made the right call on the final thing. I thought the controversy was going to be they just didn't call a flag when that guy clearly shoved Mahomes when he was out of bounds. And that was going to be the controversy. Um, but they made the call. The right team won in the end because I do think you laid out all the stats. The Chiefs were the better team in this game. And I thought most of why the Bengals hung close was self-inflicted. But that was what scared me because I'm like, they didn't get these touchdowns early. Mahomes just literally throws the ball like to the other team, essentially, by just losing the ball. I was like, everything is breaking for the Bengals, even though they're getting thoroughly outplayed. So, in the end, the better team won this game, and um, I'm glad they did, because now we don't have the Bengals in the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just really quickly, I won't go incoherent like I did a couple minutes ago. Um, the, the Super Bowl point is amazing. I'm so excited to just watch that game and enjoy that game and, like... <laughs> Yeah, it, it'll be annoying if the Chiefs win another one, but I'm also not, like, going to be, like, seething and, like, white-knuckling something the entire time. Uh, and then the refs thing is, you know, and, and everybody's talked about it. If you want better thoughts on it or more coherent thoughts or thoughts from former players or, or you know, highly paid analysts, you can find that wherever you want. I'll just say this. The NFL is not rigged. It, it, it would be nearly impossible to rig the National Football League for the amount of people and the amount of, Ga like gambling money and all this stuff that you would have to get under some sort of uh, 
conspiracy umbrella, what have you. What I will say is that the quality of refereeing is probably the worst <laughs> it's ever been. And something has to change. Like, so, they, I don't know if you pay them more, you make them full-time, because most these guys aren't full-time. Um, you, you, you make – and it, it's, a, it's in a lot of sports. And you incentivize a program where former players, you know, incentivize them to become referees or something. You figure out how to deal with instant replay. Like, Ryan Rossillo on his podcast on Friday mentioned that both crews for these games were the, some of the crews that threw the least amount of flags in the league. And then this happened in the championship game. The refereeing was horrendous. It was bad. And it is a systemic problem that needs to be fixed within the National Football League. The NFL is not rigged. That, that, it's, just, it's just very, very dumb, if that's what you think. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree with Tim 95% on that and be a little <laughs> tiny bit, a tiny bit dumb. Um, you, you just can't tell me that Tom Brady could go to that many Super Bowls, Tim. It can't happen. Yeah. It can't be that way. Uh, Too many other people went every other year before him. Um, no, but the refereeing point is a good one. My opinion on this is the game is too fast. The game is as fast as it's ever been or faster than it's ever been. The NFL has more rules than it's ever had before. And we as the viewer see everything now from every angle in slow motion immediately. And I think a lot of, I think if you went back 30 years the refs may have made the same exact number of mistakes that they make now, but there's just no world where you saw the ball being sp- spotted incorrectly four out of five downs. You didn't see that hold that the guard obviously had on the inside of the line. Everything is in 10 million pixels. There's 57 cameras. Um, it can go frame by frame by frame by frame, and you can see exactly when the nose of the ball scra- you know, scraped the top of the grass. They have to worry about so many more rule book things than they did in the past to try to, you know, because the game has gotten more sophisticated because they're trying to prevent injuries in more different ways. It's almost an impossible, I think, an impossible situation. The, the first obvious step is, what, as Tim mentioned, why aren't they full time? It's only a Tim. It's only a gazillion dollar industry. Why should the referees have a full time role and spend the off season training and getting better and working on you know, mastering all the rules in a better sense or working on the speed of the game and getting better at that? No, no, no. They go back to their day to day jobs and then come back uh, at the end of the summer. So I I do think they're in an impossible situation overall. But that doesn't mean that the NFL is handling it as well as they could. Um, and then also, yeah, you can't, you can't, there's too much money, Tim. Where there's money, where there's money, <laughs> never be afraid of, of things not being on the up and up at all times. But, um, yeah, that would be a fun thing that we'll probably never get uh, unearthed in, in our lifetimes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anything else uh, on the championship games, guys, before we turn away from this? Just very quickly, um, and it's it's not an opinion that you know is, is unique, but I think Tony Romo's time as an A guy is done. I mean, what a fall from grace for that guy. Some people were on it earlier than others, but I don't think that he was horrendous. Um, and, and look at the first game. Greg Olson is one of my favorite commentators to listen to. Uh, he. He keeps the game simple, but you also learn something from him every time, which is as people, again, football sickos like us, I like learning new things 
without it being too like all you know i watch the all 22 type of crap because you can't have that for a general audience and i i don't even want that as somebody who does enjoy some of that stuff sometimes um tony romo is is bad and clearly doesn't prepare and thinks he can get away with the name um and and what he did like predicting plays to start his commentary career it's a tough listen it's a really really tough listen and I'm surprised Jim Nance, with all the power that he has at CBS, hasn't said something. I know they're friends and what have you, but I know they're locked into a big deal with him because there was like there was a, kind of a, a fight for him when he first broke into the scene. But it might be a time to move him down to the B team or something because it's just horrendous. Or go pip Greg Olson when Tom Brady steals his job <laughs> and make him the A guy. And I because I'd love to listen to him on CBS oh. more often. I think he's great. Uh, uh, Rom- Romo's done as a top guy, and it's. It's it's comically bad. It's the end of I always get him mixed up. It was Phil Sims who was there before. It was the end of Phil like the end of Phil Sims was horrendous in the booth and we're getting there with with Brady, uh, Romo, excuse me. It's getting to Dan Deerdorf, Dan Fouts levels and if you know this podcast at all, you know where I stand on that. <laughs> yeah, that was like the one good thing I think for if if there if the 2022 Ravens season had a high point. I don't think we got a single Nance Romo game all year. Uh, at least yeah. I don't remember it. So maybe one. Yeah. yeah, maybe like the Bills game early. But uh, yeah, I do not enjoy the Tony Romo experience. I kind of the worm started to turn for me on him last year. Just the ah, Jim, that all that stuff. I just I can't do. I just can't do it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot. And you want to say yeah, similar like to Phil Sims had the game and used to be like Phil Sims used to be a great analyst too. And the game passed him by. And you always wonder. If, if that same thing's maybe starting to happen to Romo. But then again, John Madden was like the best, you know, analyst for 35 straight years. So, I don't know. And yeah, maybe it's just how much work you put into it. But uh, I am not a fan of the Romo experience myself either. And Nance seems to have less and less space and time uh, as the <laughs> weeks progress. And he's, I think you would say maybe the, I would say the second best uh, play-by-play guy after Al Michaels. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? 
What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Uh, all right, that's it for that. Let's turn to the random raven. Before we look ahead, Tim, you are up this week with the random raven. Who do you have for us? Yeah, so this one you guys you guys are going to get. Um, I, I'm fully confident in that. I, I just want to see if the listeners will get this one. Um, and I think I think it's, it's it's a it's a funny like oh yeah crap this guy played for the Ravens. I completely <laughs> forgot about this. All right, clue number one. This random raven was selected in the second round of the 2010 NFL Draft. And played until the 2015-16 season. He did not record any stats from 2011 <laughs> to 2013. <laughs> Clue, oh, number no. two. Clue number two. This player saw his first team draft a future NFL MVP at his position with the first overall pick the year after he was drafted. <laughs> yeah, I, that, 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 I'm rereading that clue and I'm like, I even took a part of that clue out because it was too easy. Uh, clue number three, this random Raven is a golden domer. Clue number four, this player was claimed off waivers by the Ravens on November 24th, 2015. His career in Baltimore lasted two games. And clue number five, this random Raven who shared a locker room with Matt Schaub and Ryan Mallett wore the same number as the most recent quarterback to play for the Ravens. You know, you said didn't record a stat the first three years. I was assuming you were going with a Ravens drafted wide receiver, but yeah, I, I, I guess it, <laughs> uh, but I guess we went in a different direction, which was uh, surprising to me after that, but that is a fantastic random Raven, Tim. And as we wind down this segment, um, because of how many random Ravens we have, random Ravens we have named, he needed to be here. This guy deserved <laughs> to be in this list. So thank you for, thank you for bringing him up. <laughs> in this next segment, <clears throat> I don't expect it to last too long. It's the NFL Pro Bowl weekend, guys. How very exciting! The only thing I will say is the over/under for how many minutes any of us will watch uh, is set at twelve minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Over/under twelve minutes of watching. Go ahead. I don't even know what's what's. There's no game, or there is a game. There's no contact football game. There's a flag football game, and then all the all the funtivities. Jace, do you know sort of what's going on I here? I think it's flag football, right? Flag football game I, between I Eli and Peyton or something. That's involved. Um, there's also some skills competitions. I don't know if these are all on the same day. I don't know if it's a full weekend. So. If I'm working, maybe I'll watch. <laughs> but if I'm not, I feel like uh, my chances of tuning in are are, are, are low. Uh, if it happens on Sunday, I don't know. I don't know why I would watch this if it's it's on Sunday and I have a football free. You know, as much as I said I loved watching football, I will also admit that uh, um, it's taken up what the last 
25 Sundays of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a break here and then uh, to not feel so married to it. Um, so yeah, uh, if it's on Saturday, possibly watch if I find out what exactly is going on. If it's on Sunday, I will not be watching. I have no idea, and I don't think it matters. I do have a question, though, Antonio. Is that 12 minutes combined between the three of us? <laughs> or each of us 12 minutes? Because I, I can promise you I'm not going to watch a minute of this. And if you put it in the rundown for Podlake or Raven next week, I'll just join the call late because I'm, I'm just not going to be watching this at all. I gotta, no, no, I refuse. Absolutely not. Um, I, 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 good on them for trying to do something different because the game was at a, at a loss. I'll put it that way. And then I, just, I do want to just bring this one thing up that I saw. This came from Field Yates, and I believe it was before the AFC Championship game. But this is just uh, hilarious. Uh, from his Twitter page, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow will be playing in the Super Bowl games and out of the Pro Bowl games. Uh, and it's going to be um, Joe Burrow and his new outfit. Never mind, it's Patrick Mahomes. Suck it, Bengals. Alternates Tua Tungavailoa and Justin Herbert are out due to injury, while third alternate, Lamar Jackson, hilarious, is presumably out as well. That would mean Tyler Huntley, as the fourth <laughs> alternate, might be Pro Bowl bound. There might be a ch- – I don't know if this has been confirmed since then because I don't, I don't care to look it up. Tyler Huntley might be going to the Pro Bowl as a fourth alternate, <laughs> which would be incredible and also show the lack of quarterback play this year. Well, it, especially hilarious, uh, Joe Flacco somehow never made a Pro Bowl as many alternates as they have I, due to various opt-outs and uh, things. So if Tyler Huntley makes a Pro Bowl and not Joe Flacco, that would, that would, that would be very funny to see at the top of his uh, pro football reference page. One-time Pro Bowler on a season he had, what, like three touchdowns and five interceptions? <laughs> Couldn't get two touchdowns in a game, Chase, to save his life. Uh, yeah, for the Pro Bowl stuff, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to make up like these things that they did in the Pro Bowl and see if I can get Tim to like comment on it and, or at least like acknowledge the activity that definitely didn't happen. So maybe that'll be the the Harbaugh quotes version of this. will be like, which, which of these games did they what actually did they play? <laughs> um, but yeah, Tim, originally I meant 12 minutes each because there's like that shot that you're you know you're on the couch and you're scrolling through it and like you watch it from like a through a commercial like to a commercial break basically and no. then it's like all right like time to watch something that's entertaining and not just guys running around um that's it that's it for the pro bowl segment <laughs> let's turn now obviously we're two weeks away from the super bowl next week is when we will give you the detailed preview and go into matchups and go into some prop bets and the gambling aspect of it but for this week um just going to touch on some early super bowl storylines what are the things that are being talked about in week one before we get to the the x's and o's so i think the big picture on this game the biggest the biggest picture you can go out on is this is a battle of the nfl's best team in 2022 the eagles versus its best player uh presumptive mvp patrick mahomes um, obviously Mahomes' health will be a dominant storyline, uh, as he presumably recovers more from this ankle injury. Um, but you know, Jalen Hurts recovering from his own kind of shoulder thing. Is he going to be better? I think we mentioned he, he didn't look great against the Niners, didn't hit a lot of passes. So some time to rest up, but th- that's the big thing for me is just best player versus best team. And because I think the Eagles have the advantage at literally every position uh, on the field, a position group, 
Uh, they got better receivers. Their offensive line is the best in the league, probably. They got certainly a better defensive, probably a better defensive line. I know Chris Jones is really good and probably the best individual player on either team. But as we mentioned, four double-digit sack guys for the Eagles. They rang up 70 sacks in the regular season alone, which was just two Jesus. off the NFL record. Um, so, yeah, they are a historically good pass rush. And uh, uh, the Chiefs are, have their hands full. But these are, you know, two, I believe they both went 14-3, and three, right? So it's the first battle of top seeds in the Super Bowl since the Eagles and Pats after the 2017 season. So um, it's been, you know, five years since we've gotten one versus one. So I'm excited for that. It's the, the Super Bowl of the two best teams in the NFL, which, you know, it seems like so, so many years the Super Bowl could be a fluke, which I would sort of probably say also including last season when we saw the four-seed Rams beat the bang, four-seed Bengals for the Super Bowl. That was kind of flukish a little bit. But it's one versus one. I think whoever wins, you could probably say that this was the best team in the NFL in 2022 and uh, not have very many questions about it. Yeah, I, I think the big outside of like, oh, it's the Kelsey brothers playing and like the fun story. And, you know, people will roll their eyes, but some of that stuff is fun. Uh, you know, and trust me, as somebody who has to produce content every day, two weeks and one game to talk about, you're finding every <laughs> angle you can uh, to cover, you know, all that time that you need to that you need to cover. Um, I think in terms of quickly and we're going to do a deep dive next week uh, as well, um, outside of what Jay said. A couple of the biggest storylines for me is I hope the quarterbacks are both healthy um, and, you know, or as healthy as they can be. Um, Eagles ain't played nobody, I think is a big one. Like everybody's saying like their toughest test might have been the Colts when they won 17-16, <laughs> uh, like outside of a couple of games against Dallas. But one of those was Gardner Minshew and one of those was Cooper Rush on the on the Cowboys side. And so there's this whole thing of Eagles ain't played nobody, even though they're the best team in the league and probably have the most talent. Um, they, they dominate every position group, like Jay says. Outside of tight end and quarterback for me, um, you know, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then the other one just positionally, and we're going to do more of this, you know, next week when we do a full preview and, and make picks and what have you. I think it's interesting. We didn't mention them at, as much because I spent you know about 12 minutes railing on the Bengals fans. The, the secondary for the Chiefs was horrendous. And, like, to the point where Jamar Chase is high-pointing balls over two guys who just aren't going for the ball, like, just aren't <laughs> jumping at all. And I know they had three rookie corners, and everybody's like, well, credit to those three rookie corners out there because uh, they lost Sneed earlier in the game as well. But, like, it was really bad. And on the other side, Jalen Hurts, as we mentioned before, didn't really hit any deep throws. The one he did hit, Devonta Smith dropped it and then smartly was like, <laughs> just run a play. And Kyle Shanahan was just standing there like, I, I don't know, with the just – not reacting at all for whatever reason. So it's going to be kind of a weakness is the wrong word, but almost a matchup of the weaknesses. Can Jalen hurts, get the ball down the field. And if he can, he's got Devonte Smith and, and AJ Brown, which is certainly not a weakness or will the chiefs secondary kind of step up and play much better than they did um, uh, in the conference championship game. I think that could be something that decides this game outside of all the other things we'll talk about, you know, Eagles pass rush, um, you know, Chris Jones versus this offensive line, Lane Johnson's health, like all the big stuff. I think that sneaky, you know, Jalen Hurts can step up in the big moment and and really force the ball down the field and be accurate. That could be a devastating blow for the Chiefs. I was looking at the four, what the potential matchups would have been when we still had 
<clears throat> you know, before the conference championships. And I think for me, this is the most, like, I'm, I'm the most neutral. Uh, it's just like, go sports. Like, let's have a good game. <laughs> if it were the Bengals against either the 49ers or the Eagles, you can guess which team I would have been rooting for hard. If it were the Chiefs against the 49ers, like, I would have been hard on, like, the Brock Purdy story would have been amazing. And I don't need the Chiefs to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> The Chiefs Eagles, I'm just kind of like, yeah, let's see some good, let's see an awesome Super Bowl, which we do not get very often. It just ends up being they can it can be a blowout or it's just too, it's, everything is long. It's, I feel like it's just like a slog or not a lot, there's not a lot of points, but this it feels like it feels like something. It feels like we got something that could be a lot of fun, especially as Tim mentioned, if we have healthy quarterbacks, which they have time time to get to that point. Okay, we haven't talked about the Ravens at all. Here's the biggest uh, early Super Bowl storyline. Jace, I need a little bit of help with this because I don't understand it for 18 different reasons. Offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. See, there is a tie-in to the actual teams playing football. R- rumors that he that he's he might be the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, or at least the Ravens want him to be the off. Why is a guy doing a lateral move to a worse off a worse offense? <laughs> I don't understand any of this it seems made up but it's getting slightly more traction than i ever thought it would well it's a thing multiple of the quote insiders have tweeted so per adam schefter eric bietney has been requested to interview for the ravens offensive coordinator job now there's a few things with this the chiefs could say no (laughs) for for one uh but um I think I'm pretty sure because it's a lateral move they can do that. I know the Ravens have prevented some assistance from leaving, and it's weird with that uh, with things. The only thing I could could figure is why he's even entertaining this. And Schefter noted he's still a finalist for the Colts head coaching job. There's several vacant head coaching jobs still out there. Uh, one guy we know won't be the Ravens' offensive coordinator. We should, I guess, just mention Frank Reich, uh, who is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think we addressed that one of our live shows. Um, so I don't know why uh, he would consider this other than to perhaps to leave for a lateral move to basically call plays. I think that's like a thing that Andy Reid, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess, Tim, if you know, but I believe Andy Reid still mostly calls the plays for the chiefs um, i think so yeah so i, I guess so. it's to to move out from the reed shadow although again this kind of the nebulous uh definitely sort of racist world of nfl owners uh everyone who also previously worked under andy reed uh as offense coordinator kind of just got head coaching jobs matt Nagy, uh frank reich <laughs> or frank reich was like an eagles assistant everyone's related to andy reed in the nfl it's nick sirianni was frank reich's oc who used to be the oc for doug peterson who used to be andy reed's oc in kansas city and just it's all andy reed all the time so as for why the enemy wouldn't make this move i think it's to maybe just get out of reed shadow if he would take a lateral move but i'm with you i I would I would want to work with Patrick Mahomes because he's the best player in the NFL uh, and will be for the next several years. Um, there's just a stunning stat I saw that uh, postseason touchdowns before turning 28, Patrick Mahomes now has 32 and second place uh, most postseason touchdowns before turning 28. Brett Favre had 18. Uh, I don't know why you would want to leave that. He's clearly the best player in the NFL. He's going to win his second MVP in five seasons. Uh, he's already won a Super Bowl, three Super Bowls in four years. But if you do have head coach aspirations, uh, you take this job and maybe 
if you're thinking he wants the Ravens job, you do it because you're probably the interim coach if they fired John Harbaugh <laughs> midseason. So I may guess maybe that's a, another consideration. But I don't know. I just found it was a weird thing that popped up, and I didn't think much of it. But, yeah, it just – the more the insiders tweet about it, the more you go, huh, well, something something's weird here. So, yeah, I just figured I'd mention it, bring it up. It'll be an offensive coach none of us have ever heard of. Uh, yes. Will be the offense coordinator for that. <laughs> I just have two very quick things because these did break on Tuesday uh, last week when our episode releases, but clearly this is a podcast, so we recorded the night before. Uh, so just two <coughs> quick bits. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton made the Pro Football Writers of America All-Rookie Team. Good picks, it turns out, from Eric DaCosta, who we said had to have a good draft, and so far so good. You know, Linderbaum probably going to be the linchpin of that offensive line in the middle of it anyway for the next – God willing decade and Kyle Hamilton really, really improved uh, from, from kind of a shaky start to the year and became a valuable asset on that defense. It's something that we don't need to break down now. And we'll talk about it more as it, uh, as things come along, but the 2023 opponents for the Ravens have been released as well. Uh, We got some West coast trip boys. So let's plan to go see Jace a little bit. The home teams very quickly outside of your, you know, your normal AFC North fodder. Uh, the Detroit Lions, the Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Miami Dolphins. So uh, that's seven wins. Too, too bad there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Undefeated at the crib, split on the road, as Mr. Ray would say. Uh, and then the away games, the San Francisco 49ers and probably Tom Brady, the Arizona Cardinals, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go jag off. Uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Chargers. So maybe a little... Justin Herbert time, and we go go hang out with Jace over there in SoFi State. You know how stupid I am, Tim? Um, I saw this when this list was released after just everything we just watched with the Ravens, and I went through and I said 12 and 5. After, you guys, after you guys are both morons. Through, through the list. I, you know, I, did, this did team, I all this watch? team needs is a quarterback. Everything else is uh, is did, set. Just draft a wide receiver it? in the first round and try to sign your, your franchise guy. That's it. That's all we yeah. need. I can't help how I feel. I looked at it. I said, 12 and 5. Tell me where we lose after watching us almost lose every game possible. Uh, in the, With the last place schedule. The narrowest of margins. Kill me. Oh, that bummed me out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the last thing, last thing to go over quickly. Uh, just the gambling recap section. I was 1 and 1 last week. 37 and 27 on the season. This week, no football games, but my only pick. Um, I'm going under 12 minutes that Tim watches Pro Bowl weekend. <laughs> um, so we'll see if I if I cover that next week. Um, which, next week, we will do the game, obviously the game pick. I think it opened as a pick and has since moved to Eagles minus two. And I assume that moves closer to the Chiefs as we see more and more clips of Mahomes walking around and jogging and jumping off of podiums and all that stuff. And as he looks healthier, it'll move closer to them, just like it did uh, for that Eagles-Bengals game, which when we talked about it, it was Bengals minus one, and that ended up moving all the way to Chiefs minus one and a half, maybe even Chiefs by two, I think, at uh, at kickoff time. So I expect some of the same. But we'll throw in some fun prop bets as well, maybe do... Uh, some MVP candidates and see if we can pick players who aren't the quarterback, which would be <laughs> fun and, and splashy and unique like last year. Um, but yeah, that's it. And then we'll recap some of our season-long stuff as well, the over-unders for the season 
wins that we did at, at the at the very very early start of the year when everything was awesome and everything was rosy and optimistic and we had a football team that we thought could be good. Uh, anything from you guys for the gambling section? You want to go over how your picks went? Uh, hit both of them. Had Chiefs and Eagles. Myself, uh, just I had the under in the Chiefs Niners game as well. And then before all the games, because you, you can pick the Super Bowl matchup. So I went with the picks that I had. Uh, which was Eagles and Chiefs, so to beat the Super Bowl. So it did okay this weekend in terms of the conference championships. And next season, again, now that gambling is legal in Maryland and um, me and all of my friends have got the bug, unfortunately, for my wallet, I'll be doing what Antonio is doing too. This is a promise to the listeners, keeping track all year, making the picks as they happen and kind of keeping track and seeing uh, how embarrassingly bad I am at this. I also went 2-0, and and shockingly, I'm 6-1-1 one one in the postseason now, which... Let's go! You know, I had to have had the worst record of the three of us throughout this season. Although, I, I had that little heater on Ravens picks. I was right for about two and a half months there on Ravens picks. So, I've had a good playoffs, and I was good, generally good with the Ravens, and then... Otherwise, I was all over the map with the NFL until the playoffs. But, you know, it feels good to, to kind of hit some winners. Of course, I'm not making any money off of this. So I haven't benefited in any tangible way. But it still feels good to look at the record and say, oh, 6 one one's pretty good. That, that's, a, that's a winner. So I, uh, I haven't really looked, spent too much time thinking about the line. I think the line makes sense. And I do not know who I'm going to pick at present time. I am with you. I think yeah. it depends on... I imagine Patrick Mahomes probably won't even move this week. I, I, I know I doubt the Chiefs have him do much, but uh, um, yeah, they. Uh, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to think, really. So it should be a good Super Bowl, though. I'm excited for it. I have Jace. flipped like four times on who I'm going to select in this game. <laughs> Jace, Joe Flacco, Evans, uh, just sort of in a slumber all season and then comes alive in the postseason when it, when it matters. Uh, what a run for you, Jace. That will do it for us this week uh, for Jace Evans, for Jace, Joe Flacco Evans, uh, and Tim, <laughs> let's go O's, Horsey. I am, uh, oh, oh yeah, Tim reminds me, the last thing to do is answer the random Ravens. See, I was ready to just be done with uh, any Raven-related things, but there's the <laughs> random Raven yet to do. Tim, can you give us those clues one more time? Yeah, I'll try and speed through it for you then. This random Raven was selected in the second round of the 2010 NFL Draft and played until the 15-16 season. He did not record any stats, though, from 2011 to 2013. Uh, this player's first, this player saw his first team, and here's the part I cut out, an NFC South side draft a future NFL MVP at his position with the first overall pick the year after he was drafted. That clue is way too obvious. I should have cut that one down just a little bit. Clue number three, this random Raven is a Golden Domer. If you don't know what that means, it means he went to Notre Dame. Just give it all out here. Clue number four. This player was claimed off waivers by the Ravens on November 24th, 2015, and his career in Baltimore lasted two games. And clue number five, this random Raven who shared a locker room with Matt Schaub and Ryan Mallett wore the same number as the most recent Ravens quarterback. Oh, man, that's a yikes. That's a big yikes for me. Every time I hear Golden Domer, I just go to Minnesota also. I just think Golden Gophers. No. So I, had to, yeah. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. But Jace, I think, was on this a little bit before me, so... Uh... Jace, t- huh, take it away. <laughs> so this is a fun one, kind of a, a very small tie-in, too, to Super Bowl, which I'll say after 
I reveal, I believe this is Jimmy Clausen, quarterback, a former Notre Dame quarterback and Carolina Panthers quarterback before Cam Newton took his job. Jimmy, Jimmy Clausen. Yep, that is correct. Um, and so a fun thing, Jimmy Clausen, I looked this up after I was pretty like 99.9% sure it was him. Jimmy Clausen got the start in the infamous Golden Pants game for the Ravens in the 2015 oh season, which was against the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so uh, that's that's Jimmy Clausen's uh, small place in Ravens history was he started the Golden Pants game, which was arguably a highlight of the 2015 season. Did they lose that game? What's the final? 34 to 14. Yes, they did. Um, but everyone remembers they wore the golden pants so jimmy's always got that you search jimmy claus and ravens it's all golden pants <laughs> they can't all be pro bowlers like like huntley jace you know some of those backup <laughs> quarterbacks they just they just struggle uh all right let's try to do this ending one more time for jace evans and tim horsey i'm antonio barbera thank you so much for listening to us on pod like a raven it's super bowl preview time we will see you next week If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.